Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You probably heard it said by many these days, Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. It's been the rallying cry of a lot of Christians over the last 20 years, and the idea behind it is that religion is from man, but God desires a relationship and that just going through the motions isn't what it means to be a Christian. But really knowing and loving God is the main thing. The idea of Christianity being a relationship, not a religion, has led to some unfortunate conclusions on the part of some. Some have started to believe that things like ritually praying, going to church, even being a part of a congregation aren't really very important. In fact, they aren't necessary at all. The idea actually fits really nicely with our present-day mindset of being spiritual, but not religious. Now, the idea of Christianity being a relationship and not a religion to that idea, the brother of our Lord says, baloney. It's both. At the end of chapter 1, James writes, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Now, of course, Christianity is a relationship with the Lord. He claimed us as his own in baptism. He made us his children. He has commanded us to pray. He's invited us to call on his name. He comes to us in word and sacrament. He has promised to be with us all the time until the very end of the age. But James reminds us here, Christianity too is a religion that comes with doing religious things like attending church and praying and visiting people who are sick. The Greek word that is translated as religion in James chapter 1, uh, in the, the Greek lexicon, it says it's a religious worship, especially external, that which consists of ceremonies. Now, the notion that many Americans have of being a member of a congregation but rarely attending services is completely foreign to what we have in Scripture. Rather, the Bible shows us that what you are devoted to is where you will put your actions. James writes, Is anyone suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, this section of James is actually not terribly complicated. It's actually pretty straightforward. 
James is simply encouraging Christians to be Christians. Or as our hymn a moment ago said, to be the people God intends. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, notice, James doesn't say, is anyone among you suffering? Do a Bible study about prayer. Learn more about prayer. Now, he says, if you're suffering, what should you do? Pray. Don't talk about prayer. Don't learn about prayer. Just actually pray. This is one of the traps we tend to fall into with our uh, intellectualizing of everything, it seems. We talk about things rather than doing them. We learn about them rather than actually going about them. We study the need for members to visit shut-ins rather than having our members actually just go and visit shut-ins. We learn about things rather than doing those things. And James here is saying, you know what? The Christian religion, it involves action, not just thought. No, these actions don't save you. But those who are redeemed by Christ the crucified, they are called to action. And these are the kinds of things that we do. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And the Lord, the world looks at that and says, what a waste of time. <laughs> what a waste of time. Prayer is powerless. It's vain. It's an empty ritual. You'll have atheists say things like, oh yeah, go ahead and talk to your, your sky daddy. And they're so dismissive of it. And when a tragedy strikes and Christians uh, respond in prayer, celebrities and politicians say, we need more than prayer, we need action. As if prayer is inaction. (laughs) But that's what we start to think after a while, isn't it? I've got to do something to help. Well, you could pray about it. No, but I have to do something. Yeah, that's doing something. Prayer is action. Prayer is actually doing something because you're, you're talking to the God who can actually accomplish things. We tend to minimize prayer so much that we, we end up thinking of it as almost being ineffective. See, there's, there's different, different traps that... that different Christian groups can fall into. There's some that will look at this passage and they'll think, well, see, if you have just enough faith, then anything can happen. But then we tend to fall into more of the other trap of, well, I guess we can pray about it, but the Lord's probably not really going to do anything about it. That's not a prayer of faith, is it? The Lord does answer prayers. He can change things. And so when there is something that happens, what do we do? We pray because we're talking to the God who is able. The Lutheran pastor, uh, Hermit Sasa, uh, in the 20th century, he wrote, Modern people who no longer know what prayer really is treat prayer as some sort of polite formality for the church It has never been such. The prayer of the church in the name of Jesus is not polite talk. It is a power and it does not remain without effect. And so we pray. We pray not to convince God of what 
we think he should do, but we pray because God has commanded us and invited us to call on him in prayer, and he is able. And in his wisdom, he will answer in what is best. James continues, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. I love this part. Not only in our time of need do we look to the Lord, but also when we're cheerful, when things are good. Then we look to the Lord and we sing praises to the Lord. You ever been around somebody that just is always singing praises to God or they're, they're, they're whistling tunes of praise to the Lord? And it, it cheers you up. It brings you joy. But this is, this is what we do as Christians. Why? Because we have a relationship with the Lord. This is part of the Christian religion. We respond with praise. It doesn't do any good to sit in the, in the, in the, in the well, I was going to say in the, in the pews, but we don't have pews. We have chairs, right? It doesn't do any good to sit there and here's this hymn and we're going we're gonna to join our voices and, uh, well, no, I'm just going to sit. <laughs> Let's sing in praise of God. Why? Because he gives us reason to do so. And we respond to what he's done. Is anyone among you sick? James writes, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And inevitably, somebody will will read this and they'll go, well, what's the deal with the oil? (laughs) Should we be doing that? Uh, Pastor, do you you go anoint people with oil whenever you go see them? But I don't think the oil is the main thing here. I don't think that's the important thing here. The idea is this. If somebody in the church is sick, that person should invite the pastor, the elders here, that's speaking of pastors, that person should invite the pastor to come into their home to pray with them and to bring God, to minister to them in God's name, to bring Christ right there to them. The anointing with oil, I think, is, is simply a part of the pastoral care for that person at that time. Uh, anointing with oil here is really not a medical treatment, but it's a reminder that the true healing comes from the Lord. And here is the person called to represent the Lord, and here he is able to remind you of God's continued care for you. Again, James is just reminding us of what it looks like to live out the Christian faith. Living out the Christian faith is a tangible thing. It's not just an intellectual thing. It is a a thing that we do. And pastoral care isn't something that can be fully done from afar, but needs to be done with you present. James continues then, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Okay, now, sometimes people read this and they go, see, the prayer of of faith will save the one who is sick. So if you just have enough faith, then you pray this and, well, of course, you're going to be better. (laughs) Well, what is James really talking about here? He says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. What does he mean? He means we pray trusting in the Lord. And the Lord will bring healing, won't he? Maybe in this life. 
Maybe not. Maybe it'll be in the resurrection. We don't know, but we pray trusting in the Lord to bring healing, and we look to the Lord for healing, and we trust that in his time, in his way, he will bring that full healing. This is what faith does. It looks to the Lord, it trusts the Lord, and it knows that the Lord will provide. James continues then, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. All right, so what does James mean here? James, again, is encouraging Christians to be Christians. When we sin against somebody else, we go to them. We ask forgiveness. They forgive us. When they sin against us, they come to us. They confess. We forgive them. It's Christians being Christians. What do we do as Christians? We, we pray. We praise. We confess our sins. We forgive one another. We care for one another in times of need. This is simply the church being the church, isn't it? Now, James is thinking in terms of both the here and the now and of the eternal. He knows in the end, this is how it will be. But he's, he's saying, even in the here and the now, as you live as a Christian, the Lord begins to bring healing in these ways. But James also understands something that many who have come before us understood very well. Going through these ritual-type things actually shapes us, actually forms us, actually sustains us in the faith. When we get together and we pray... Well, that act of prayer is powerful, but also that simply act of getting together and praying, that helps shape us, helps us to continue to look to the Lord in faith. When we go and visit somebody who is not able to be in church, and we can go and bring them the presence of Christ, that benefits them. It also benefits us. It shapes us, strengthens us, and and confirms us in the faith. When we sin and we confess that sin and we receive forgiveness, that's the Lord shaping us and forming us again. So as we finish up James today, let's hear him clearly. Let's not allow our faith to become a mere intellectual idea, but let it be that living, active, doing, that faith brings forth. Praying, visiting, confessing, forgiving, and caring for one another in Christian love, just as we have been called to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.